Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 to 32. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. As we continue moving through the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about the right use of speech, so the right use of our words. And I was going to sort of talk about gossip within a larger discussion of sort of using our words wisely, but I thought that gossip was an important enough of a topic that it warranted its own sermon, so to speak. So let's read a few verses that deal with gossip, Proverbs 17 and 9, 18 and 8, and 26, 20. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Proverbs 18 and 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. And Proverbs 26 and 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer or gossiper, quarreling ceases. Father, now thank you for your goodness and grace and the word that you have communicated to us, your own self-revelation to humanity. We thank you for it. May our hearts be convicted and convinced by its truth, and may we be transformed by it such that we leave this place differently than the way we came in. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, Dean touched on it, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me. Never a more untrue statement has ever been said, according to the book of Proverbs. Words have far more power than sticks and stones. And the right use of words, as we just mentioned a moment ago, is a major focus of the book of Proverbs because they can wound at the deepest level. Just take a moment to think of a relationship that is strained with someone from years ago, maybe a friend or a family member who said something deeply hurtful. Or maybe you can think of things that you said. Now the fact that we all use words is sort of proof and an obvious sign that we're made in the image of God. Words can be used to create trust and develop relationships and build up community. But unlike God, we use words as sinners to destroy trust and break relationships and divide community. James 1.27 says, if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. In other words, the person who thinks they're religious but cannot bridle or control the things that come out of their mouth, well, their religion is of no use. Our words matter. Of all the words 
foolish words that threaten the peace of the church, perhaps none have more potential for damage than gossip. Gossip is a verb and a noun. It describes not only what a person does, but it can describe who they are. A person can be a gossip. But gossip is one of those sins that no one ever confesses to. I have to admit, I've, I've never heard anyone say, you know what, I'm a gossip, what can I say? Never, I mean, people will, con- they'll, they'll, they'll confess to murder before they confess to being a gossip. Paul describes the sins of rebellious people in Romans 1, that famous chapter where there's sort of a laundry list of those who rebel against God. And in Romans 1.28 he says, they are filled with every kind of wickedness, they are gossipers and slanderers, which means that in eternal punishment, ostensibly, right alongside warmongers and murderers and fornicators are going to be gossips and slanderers. And gossips and slanderers are, well, they're people who like to talk about others behind their back. Now, the Corinthian church was well known for its dysfunction, and writing to them, Paul says, I fear that when I come, there may be perhaps quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder, which shows us that right out of the back, right, right, right out of the gate, uh, gossip's nothing new. It's not something that has just recently developed in sort of our, you know, topsy-turvy modern culture. It's been around for ages, and it was a concern that Paul had for the very earliest Christians. He feared that gossip was something that was happening among their ranks. Now, what is gossip? Gossip's a negative spirit that's more bent on helping, excuse me, more more bent on hurting than helping. Although it often masquerades as help, and this is really the key here about gossip, and this is why it's so pervasive, is it masks itself as help, but it really isn't. It's incredibly deceptive, and gossip is anything but redemptive. Gossip is excessive interest in the affairs of others that masks itself as concern. And above all, it's grounded in pride. The pride that makes us savor that we know something that others don't know. The pride that makes us sort of enjoy uh, the fact that we're privy to sensitive information. So gossip is grounded in pride. John Piper defines gossip this way. He says, gossip is derogatory information about someone, information in your possession, shared with others in a tone of confidentiality that is motivated by secret enjoyment of private knowledge. In other words, there's enjoyment in gossip. And gossip isn't just the one sharing, gossip is also the one listening. In other words, a gossip is not just someone who talks about others. A gossip is someone who listens to words about others as well. Proverbs 17 and 4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives heed to a mischievous tongue. So people who speak gossip enjoy hearing gossip as well. 
In other words, by tolerating gossip, you are perpetuating it. The evil is not just in the speaking, it is also in the listening. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful that you don't become, essentially this is what this verse is saying, be careful that you don't become someone else's garbage can or garbage collector. Ray Ortland says this, he says, there's always a person in the group to whom disgruntled people go because that person will listen and sympathize and be a shoulder to cry on and a rallying point for complaints and a hero for those with hurt feelings. And that listener becomes a bigger problem in the group than the talkers. So the listening is just as culpable as the talking. There's that person that everyone goes to who knows that this person will hear and let me sort of air out my grievances and my anger. And of course the person who is hearing also feels very special that people come to them and share sensitive information, especially about other people. It's good to be there for people, isn't it? Yeah, sure it is. We all want someone who's there for us when, you know, uh, when we're hurting. Uh, but if people always feel comfortable talking about others in your presence, it's probably gossip you're entertaining. And you may be a gossip. On the flip side, um, the flip side of that is if people come to you to talk about others, it probably means they're talking about others, talking to others about you as well. So gossip sort of burns you when you give yourself to it. We, we like to think we hear the gossip, but we're not the object of it. But the truth is, is it, it sort of sucks you into this orbit of backbiting where you hear it, you listen to it, and then people are backbiting you. Because that's the kind of people, right, that do those types of things. So why do we do it? Why? Why do we gossip? Why does it feel so good for other people to share information about other people with us? Why is it so delicious and savory? Well, Proverbs 18 and eight says, the words of a whisperer, are like a del delicious morsels. They go down into the inner part of the body. There's something incredibly gratifying about someone sharing something with you about someone else. It feels good, it tastes good, it, it goes down to the inner parts. You know, it's yummy on the inside. And this is why Proverbs uses this language. They're like delicious morsels. The words of a whisperer. The words of a gossiper, gossiper are like delicious morsels. And so the word gossip literally means one who whispers. Somebody lowering their voice and saying some things, right, that we call gossip. Right? And you've seen it, you know, done before. It's like, you know, hey, don't tell anybody, but, right? Your voice gets lower, you know? I mean, we've all done it, you know? I'd like to pretend like, you know, it's, it's some of you in the crowd, but like, we've all done it, you know? And when someone does, you, know, you lean in. You want to hear it. You don't go, hey, uh, your voice just lowered. That means there's some gossip. I, I don't want any part of it. Like, that's probably what we should do, but that's just not what we do, right? Because it's delicious. It goes down to the inner parts of the body. 
The person who speaks and the person who listens relishes what's been said. That's what it means. You know, that it, they're like delicious morsels. We relish what's been said. And we can't deny that there's a pleasure that comes from being in the know. There just is. We want to be in the know. We want information. We want special information. We want to be in the know. We feel special. We want to know things others don't know. Why else is gossip so delicious? Well, this is the hard part of it, because it feeds pride. I am worthy to receive this sensitive information. I can be trusted. I am special. I belong to a select few who can hear this information. I'm worthy. It feeds pride. Gossip is so delicious because it feeds our pride. And John Piper continues, he gives three keys, and I'm going to use these sort of three keys to sort of outline the rest of our sermon. Three keys for not becoming a gossiper. And the first is humility that doesn't need prominence. So the first key in not becoming a gossiper is humility that doesn't need prominence. So what do we mean by that? A humble heart doesn't need the prominence of being in the know. A humble heart does not need to feel that sense of specialness and affirmation of, of receiving secret information because that longing comes from pride. It's pride. It's not humility. When someone comes and shares a frustration with you about someone else, you should point them to Matthew 18:15. Go to your brother or sister and point out the fault, just between the two of you. Anything else is gossip. Someone comes to you and says, you know, I just want to talk to you. I don't know who else to talk to. You know, this, I've had this issue with such and such, and maybe you let them finish that sentence, and then you stop them and say, you need to go to them. And if they continue, just say, you know what? I, you need to go to them. I, I don't want to participate in gossip. You need to go to them. Especially in the church. Because if someone comes to you and complains about another person, right? We need, to, we need, to, we need this practice to happen in the church because it happens in the church. I mean, I've never seen uh, um, a more destructive sin usually in the church than gossip. I mean, it, it, it wrecks churches, it destroys churches, it splits churches. Now here's the, here's the flip side to the idea that you would point someone to Matthew 18 is, there's a consequence for it. When you create a pattern that other people know, maybe who knew you before as being the person they could go to, that no longer will you tolerate gossip, guess what's gonna to happen to that relationship? That person's probably not gonna to come to you a whole lot anymore. And that's where the real confrontation of your pride is gonna come in. Can I deal with that? Right, because it feels good when people come to you. But when you tell them, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm just not gonna to listen to it. I, I can't participate in this. Guess what happens the next time they have a grievance? They're not coming to you, and you have to be okay with that. You gotta be okay with that. So there's a consequence to standing up for what's right, for not participating in gossip. 
and it may strain a relationship, but we'd rather be the kind of people who are known for not tolerating gossip and maybe alienate others than participating it because it's a sin, it's a heinous sin. Here's the question you should ask when confronted with potential gossip, all right? So this is the question informed by the first point about humility not needing prominence. So ask yourself this question. First question, is the sharing of this information a mark of humility that does not need prominence? Or is it motivated by pride that loves the delicious feeling of being in the know? Is the sharing of this information a mark of humility, either hearing it or repeating it, that does not need prominence? Or is it motivated by pride that loves the delicious feeling of being in the know? The second key to not being a gossiper is love that does not hurt others. Love that does not hurt others. The first one, humility that doesn't need the prominence of being feeling special because someone shared with you private information. The second one is love that does not hurt others. If pride inflames gossip by needing to be in the know, love puts it out by not needing to be in the know. In other words, when you really love people, you, you don't need to be in the know. You're okay with that. Proverbs 26 and 20, look at this verse. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. Proverbs 17 and 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Two incredibly powerful verses you should write down about gossip. A whisperer or a gossiper is like wood keeping the flame of gossip burning. Remove the wood and the fire goes out. Remove the gossip and the quarreling ceases. I just mentioned a minute ago that I've seen churches that were hotbeds of division completely transform when the gossipers left. Maybe it was one or two or three people. It's usually just one or two people. And it, it was re- amazing, remove those people, and it just, it all went away. And it just shows you, another place in Proverbs, right? Things that the Lord hates is one who sows discord among the brethren. If gossip does anything in the church, it sows discord among the brethren. And God hates it. Where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. So here's the thing, if you're trying to think in your mind, hmm, have I been privy to gossip and what does it mean to hear information, whether the information is true or not is not the criteria. In fact, gossip often is true. That's not even the point. That's not the criteria. It's the intention and timing of the speech that make it reprehensible. It's not what's said, it may be spot on. On the flip side usually, however, gossip is often based on uncertain knowledge of a matter. It has some of the details, but not all of them. And that's why it's best not to listen to it, and if you do, not repeat it, because he who repeats a matter separates close friends. 
So what's the remedy to hurtful gossip? Love. Love that doesn't hurt others. Love that doesn't want to hurt others. Love for the church, love for the gospel, love for Jesus, love for your neighbor, love for your brother, and love for your sister. Love is the remedy. So here's a question you need to ask to the second key to not being a gossiper. Is the sharing of this information motivated by love that wants to avoid hurting others? Or is it indifferent to what the destructive effects may be? Is the sharing of this information motivated by love that wants to avoid hurting others or is it indifferent to what the destructive effects may be? And the third key to not being a gossiper is large-hearted purposefulness that isn't empty and aimless. What do we mean by that? And where does this come from? In the book of Corinthians, Paul cautions uh, young uh, widows who had their ordinary purposes in life ripped away from them when their husbands died. And he urges them, uh, excuse me, it wasn't in the Corinthian church, but it was just to Christians in general, and he said it to Timothy, he urges them not to become idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but gossips and busybodies saying what they should not say. The purpose of their life had been stripped away, and they found themselves with nothing better to do, no grand plan or direction for their life, and they found themselves idlers with nothing else to do, busybodies, and they were given to slander and to gossip. And these two things book and gossip, being an idler and a busybody. You don't have better things to do. They have nothing purposeful to do. They have more time on their hands than they know what to do with and no person, excuse me, no purpose, no great vision, no dream for their life, so to speak. They're just coasting from day to day. And the result is that they become meddlers because they have nothing better to do. Now this is not just widows and this is not just women because men can gossip too. In fact, what women often share on the phone with each other are things their husbands told them. So husbands, we're not off the hook. You know, people think, oh, women, right? But it's, it's I mean, men gossip too. Men often feed, men are often very excited to come home. Say, so you will not guess what happened at work today. Or you will not guess what Bob told, there's no Bobs in here, right? You will not guess what Bob, don't, don't, don't say anything. You will not guess what Bob told me, you know? And so men do it too. But it's, Idler and busybody, nothing purposeful, no, no dream for their life, no real purpose that makes it so that you have the time to do those things. Now there are more, there are other ways to prevent from being a gossip, and this is not an exhaustive talk this morning, but it should be some three keys. Humility that doesn't need the prominence of being in the know. Love that wants to help and not hurt other people, and a large-hearted purposefulness that's not empty and aimless. Because to be frank with you, gossip has no place in a, life, in a purpose-driven life, in a life that is guided by a God-given direction. Gossip has no purpose, that has no place in a life like that. 
Anybody can be a gossip, anybody can be a busybody, anybody can be a backbiter, and anyone can find themselves meddling in the affairs of other people if they're not careful, if their time is idle, if they found themselves busy about other people's business because they themselves aren't busy enough with their own life. And so the third and final question to ask is, is the sharing of this information part of my large-hearted purposefulness in life or is it simply an echo of how empty and aimless I really am? Is the sharing of this information part of my large-hearted purposefulness in life? Or is it simply an echo of how empty and aimless I really am? Maybe one of the purposes we need is a commitment to use words. Not maybe, it is. To use words to build people up. To make a commitment to stand up for others when they're not present. Do you have that commitment this morning? That you'll stand up for people, right, when they're not present? Because wouldn't you want them to do the same thing for you? If you have a friend and someone came to talk to them about you, you would hope that they would stand up for you in your absence. Forget whether it's true or not. That's, that's, that's not the criteria. Standing up for someone when they're not present. Someone comes to you, wants to talk. You say, look, you know what? They're not here to defend themselves. Why don't we get them on the phone? You'll often find that people go, oh, no, no, no. It's gossip then. If they're not willing to do that, it's gossip. If they say, okay, yeah, yeah, get them on the phone. Well, good. Now you've got Matthew 18 going on where you're helping two people talk and you can back out of the situation. Maybe pray for them. But if someone says, no, 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 they say, it's gossip. So, you know, this is gossip. Are you building up the church in unity? Do you have a commitment to building up the church in unity, to seek the peace and the purity of the church? Or are you tearing it down in gossip? Do you build up others? Are you in the habit of building up others with your words, not just in front of them, because that's the easy part. It's easy in front of people to flatter them and to say nice things to their face. The the challenge where the commitment is needed is in their absence. Are you doing that? Are you able to resist the deliciousness and pride of being in the know? And are you willing to alienate someone who's been used to coming to you? by telling them that you will no longer listen to their gripes and backbiting anymore. Lord, help us to mortify gossip and slander. Help us to use our our words and our mouths to build people up, to seek the peace and purity of the church, to love, to help, and to not hurt one another. Let our hearts be like the prayer in Psalm 19 and 14. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for a rebuke from your word for all of us. We thank you, Lord God, as you point us to the way of wisdom that you critique and rebuke the way of folly, and gossip is a way of folly. 
The foolish life, the foolish mind engages in gossip. We pray now, O Lord, that you would sanctify our hearts in the truth, that we, Lord God, would be humble, that our hearts would be grounded in the kind of humility that does not need the prominence of being in the know, that, Lord God, you would sanctify us in love, love for one another, love for the church, love for the gospel, and love for Jesus, that we don't need to talk about others or listen to it. And Father, we pray that you would fill our hearts with the large-hearted purposefulness that directs us in a direction and purpose where our time is occupied with kingdom-building efforts and not the kind of boredom that we need to hear and talk about other people. Father, we pray now that your church will be built up and lifted up in the care and love of Jesus Christ. Amen.